Hi there, I'm Gabriella Mulligan. And I'm Tom Jackson. And welcome to the fourth and final episode of this, our in-depth podcast series on the African venture capital space, brought to you in partnership with Kuona Capital, 10X Entrepreneur, Catalyst Fund, and Knife Capital. Over the last few weeks, we've been busy digging into the African venture capital space. In episode one, we discovered how a VC firm operates, what its business model is. In episode two, we covered how an investment actually gets done and the various ways in which investors can exit a startup and make a return. And last week in episode three, we talked about the different ways in which startups and venture capitalists work together once the deal gets done. This week, in the final episode of this four-part series, we're looking at VCs as people and what makes them tick. We'll discuss what makes a good VC, their backgrounds, motivations, and the issue of diversity in the space. Once again, many thanks to our partners, Corona Capital, 10X Entrepreneur, Catalyst Fund, and Knife Capital. And we hope you enjoy the episode. We've heard a lot so far about the opportunities and challenges related to being a VC in Africa, but how and why do people get into it in the first place? When you ask a VC this, impact is always at the heart of the answer. Monica Brandengel from Corona Capital is half Peruvian and a US passport holder who's the daughter of an immigrant. So hers is somewhat of a rags to riches tale, as she now says she has the privilege of managing other people's money. Part of it is I really believe in innovation and using risk capital to really change outcomes. So that's the product of my own story. I see that in my own life and I see it in the companies that are truly changing the ecosystems in which they operate. Jason Goldberg from 10X Entrepreneur wanted to help poor people by scaling impact by scaling companies. We're very impact driven, in particular in an African context. We believe in the power of livelihoods, helping families have a livelihood. And that happens when, you know, the only lever to increase dramatically the number of families that have a livelihood you know, uh, in in most emerging markets is to scale the SME sector, the small business sector. And obviously funding is a critical input to that. And we believe that we could bring more capital to the SME sector and unlock more growth and create more jobs. So that's our why. It continues to be the main reason people join our firm. And it continues to be the main reason I do this. Kiet Van Sale of Knife Capital calls it conscious capitalism. We are not... I'm not necessarily an impact investor, but job creation, innovation, and growth, economic growth, is part and parcel to to what we do. It's uh, it's and if you do it in a specific way, you can make a hell of a difference on on the continent. And I, and I like that that element of it that it is it is definitely capitalism, um, but it's in it's it's in a way that you that that you subtly need to add value and and build brands and companies that way. Everyone is a philanthropist, it seems. But is VC a good way to get rich when only a tiny minority of VC firms receive a carried payout? Monica says many more venture firms fail than succeed. I see, you know, tons of people creating GPs as if it were a get rich quick, and it's not. That's number one. Uh, Two, you have to really love the trade because if you're impatient... And if you don't like company building, and I mean the real, you know, roll your sleeves up. I mean, there's no, not a lot of cherry picking that happens in emerging market venture. If it were, there'd be a lot more capital that's coming than there is now. So you really have to love what you do and really want to be um, in it for the long haul. And, and the slog, 
that working in emerging markets is. Again, all of us at Quona have, were born, built businesses, and invest in emerging markets. We have our whole lives. And so the slog is actually part of the fun for us. But you have to really be ready for that and be you know, eager for it uh, if you want to be successful. Jason agrees. BC is not a good way to get rich quick. The potential is there. I mean, we are going to have an African Facebook, um, uh, but but the odds are really low. And even in the US, in Silicon Valley, one quarter, the top quartile of VCs make all the money. Um, the next three quarters uh, don't make any money or lose money. And and so, you know, your your odds, the odds are against you as a VC ultimately um, uh, making it and, and and getting wealthy. So how do you make it and get wealthy? Here's Miley Scararo from Catalyst Fund. It all depends on um, your approach like, to venture investing, uh, how much time and effort you can commit to it, uh, and how good you are as, as seeing the opportunities that are going to be the winning ones, you know, five to 10 years from now. Um, so, and it's possible to get rich, um, but to me, it's probably more of a patient play than, you know, it, it's a way to get rich quickly, but it all depends on, on your philosophy and also what you're trying to do. A risky business then, but Kia is confident it is a good way of getting rich in the long term. I think if you, if you need short-term incentives and, um, and, 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 and holidays and, and fast cars in the earlier stages of your career, then, um, then maybe stay in a corporate for a bit longer before you jump into the, the VC side because the cycle is long. I mean, building a business is not an overnight success. Yes, there are some, but um, you need to invest your own capital behind a long cycle. And But at the end of it, if you believe in your the, the investments that you've made as a VC, you know, there's significant carried interest upside for, for the team um, at the end of it. And, and typically you go on to fund two, fund three. So recycle that capital again. So what are the characteristics and skills of a VC that does go on to secure that hefty carry? A variety within the team, says Kiet, with emphasis on people skills. Do you need skills for sure? Um, and those skills in a team element, you, you do need like human human sciences skills you need to really be able to build trust um from an entrepreneur and 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 help them along the way one does need some form of financial skills in the team to 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 be able to look at at the modeling of a of a business and understand how this is potentially going to 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 pan out um there needs to be some element of legal legal skills the the because of the the portfolio of businesses constantly grow and there's there's always some element of contracting whether it be with clients or, or jurisdictions and so forth but for for most part it's a you, you know however you look at it you invest in people so you do need a high degree of people skills um conflict resolutions and um and just being 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 good, a good human um, with financial skills and legals and all that behind you, that, that's the combo that, that creates success. Monica, first and foremost, stresses the importance of patience and hustle. You know, you really need to find the best deals. If you wait to the, the deals that everyone has heard of and everyone has circulated, you're going to pay up. So you really need to find out where are the places innovations happening, what are the circles you know tech entrepreneurs are finding themselves in, and just really being yourself embedded embed yourself in that. 
to really find the best opportunities at an early enough stage that you can get uh, a meaningful stake. You might need certain skills, but there are many paths to becoming a VC as there are to becoming an entrepreneur. The beautiful thing about venture is that there is not a one path that fits all. It really just like great entrepreneurs. You see entrepreneurs that are younger, those that are older. You see entrepreneurs that themselves have been come from corporate, others that have come from uh, sort of more uh, entrepreneurial backgrounds and formations themselves. So I do think there are many paths. I do think being an entrepreneur is a, and an operator is a phenomenal path to venture because, again, it gives you not just the ability to pattern recognize, but it gives you an empathy to really know I've been in those shoes myself, so I'm going to be careful about how I word this question and what I ask for. So I do, you know, it, most of the Quona are on the operator entrepreneur side, but there are people at Quona and even partners who are not from that background and who are, we think are phenomenal investors. So we don't believe there's one path. Um, and I think, that, again, it's more about the commitment to success and the humility to sort of know when to pivot that I think makes a great uh, investor. My lease agrees. There isn't one set path to investor success. There isn't one size fits all recipe for being a, a good, successful VC. Um, it takes a lot of different skill sets uh, in in a venture capitalist and actually a team of venture capitalists to be successful. But I do think that there's one common theme I'd like to call out is that to have the um, emotional intelligence to understand uh, the founders that are going to be successful um, in the future and also uh, the the knowledge or actually and also and also to have the curiosity to go deeper in understanding the market and the value that a product or service is actually uh, offering to customers I see a lot of venture capitalists you know cutting checks without any contextual knowledge, without even wondering whether a solution will be useful and is needed for a particular segment um, of the population that the business is targeting. And that is only, I think, a recipe for disaster. Like It's not going to work um, if you don't actually build that sort of deeper understanding. In terms of background, Kiet says having been an entrepreneur yourself is best. I guess the, 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 the best background would be to actually be an um, entrepreneur. Turned, turned investor because then you really have gone through building a business um, in a particular way and made it a successful business and and transferring that skills back into into future businesses. So I think it's that's the best skill. But um, there, yeah, as I said, you need to you need to have a bit of a combination between business building elements and um, and and then you know M and A activity. So this is. If you you know if you're acquiring or putting capital behind businesses, you know subscribing for shares, this is ultimately a M and A game. My lease agrees. Having an entrepreneurial background can be a big positive. I think operating experience uh, is key uh, to be a better investor because you understand exactly uh, the challenges that businesses operate like in detail. And I think sometimes the devil's in the detail. You can empathize more with the founders when things go wrong. And um, often what founders need is also a listening ear and somebody with the understanding that you will figure it out and is encouraging. And if you have been on the other side and seen how hard it is, you can do that a lot more easily. Um, And also um, it helps you understand what the company needs in terms of 
in terms of their team or um, or skill sets that maybe they don't have uh, or relationships, partnerships that they might not have from a concrete perspective because you have built a business in the past, you uh, can discern what maybe is a priority versus not a priority for the stage of the business. And when you've only been on the investor side, you're approaching problems more from a theoretical perspective without this reality check. Increasingly in Africa, founders are becoming investors, with even entrepreneurs who are still running their own growth stage startups putting small angel checks into counterparts. Kiet is delighted by the development. That is the sign of a of of embers of a well functioning ecosystem. We we're getting there slowly but surely, and um, it's it's a it's a wonderful thing because lots of those entrepreneurs then also co invest with larger VC funds and the the cap table or the, the the equity stack of a startup has now a combination of of different skill sets. You know, entrepreneurs that have been there combined with um, you know more more traditional VC skills around the table, problem solving, you know, provided there's not too many egos in the room and there's shareholder alignment becomes more more rich, more diverse, uh, you know, and then also because the element of networks is so important in in building businesses, you know, your network suddenly is 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 bigger and there's more knowledge around the table and you have the funding. Less good for the ecosystem, however, is a lack of diversity, with women especially underrepresented within the investor community. Here it says this creates a bias, which is ultimately bad for business. Your, your networks that you invest in will typically be people that you interact with, associate with. Um, it is well proven that you know more diverse portfolio, and I'm not talking about just diverse in terms of different types of businesses and so forth, would be a, a better hedge against you know one or two of them failing, one or two succeeding. So it is a it is changing, not fast enough, and it is a a challenge which all of the good VCs on on the continent is is really top of our priority list to build this credible industry on the on on the shoulders of of a, of a diverse base is a challenge. Monica traces the problem right back. It starts down early on, you know, when you go into engineering. I have I actually am blessed to have twins, a boy, girl, and it's just really interesting and they're both you know, phenomenal at school. We've tried to be really careful about kind of what kind of activities we take them to, what kind of toys we buy them, et cetera. And, and you see, you know, especially as they, you know, get older, that they begin diverging and they begin congregating around certain things. And I think, you know, just realizing that if you want to break patterns, you have to create new ones. So if 80% of a class of math students or computer programmers are boys, then that's going to be discouraging for girls. Like, where do I belong there, right? So I just think remembering that just the fact that it is imbalanced creates a hard part. It's like if you were walking into a room of all um, people who spoke a different language, it would be very hard for you to walk into that room. Starting to address the imbalance can involve doing some quite basic things. So just recognizing that sometimes just being a little bit accommodating is required. Um, and that could be even as simple as, you know, making sure there's a female bathroom <laughs> around the corner or, um, uh, uh, you know, for new moms, a place to, uh, to pump if they need to. So I think just thinking about the accommodations and things, questions you would not even know to ask. Um, uh, and, and second, I would say it's understanding that to have, to have the change be there, you really need to be intentional about it. Like you have to decide that, all right, I think 
for example, Quona, we very much believe diverse teams are the best teams. They're the strongest, they're the most successful. And so we really have made a commitment that we want to have a diverse team ourselves and we want to create that or promote that kind of diversity in our broader portfolio. It's hard. Our CEOs are not diverse. We are definitely more male than female. Uh, but we are working with our portfolio companies to bring women into the C-suite, to bring women on boards, for example, as well as people of color. So it's a, it's a combination of paying attention, understanding that th- when the problem goes back deeply, you have to similarly kind of get to some underlying root causes to help make a difference. Here's my lease on how we fix the problem. I think one is just really breaking that that bias that this is a male-dominated industry um, and that you need a certain kind of aggressive attitude to make it um, and get into the best deals and then ultimately be successful. And uh, that's not the case. And I think if, if the industry actually had a more inclusive approach um, to the way that um, venture capital deals are executed, maybe we would see more women uh, entering this space. There's also perhaps a lot that can be done to um, incentivize early and first-time fund managers who are women from the LP side of things. So we are seeing some now programs uh, that are trying to do this, for example, the IFC2X Challenge and, and others who uh, specifically have mandates to back uh, first-time women fund managers. But definitely it's not enough um, to, to see more women enter in the space. And then lastly, it's, it's also more women backing women. Like I have, for example, a network of women investors who I can tap to and, and go to for advice and how, how would you think about this problem? How would you approach um, this, this relationship with another, for example, male uh, investor partner? And that network and community is really key. I think we should expand it uh, to make sure that more women see it as a support network and therefore are willing to enter the sector. These issues aside, is now a good time to be a VC in Africa? Yes, it is a great time to be a VC in, in, in Africa. Um, you know, we've been in, in as Knife Capital and before that with, with the Heavy Dragons um, as a team now in it for about 15 years. And yeah, in the last three to five years, it's, it, it really has finally come, come alive. That was Kit. Monica agrees the size of the opportunity is huge. An enormous market that has been largely or for a long time overlooked because it's fragmented. So people, I think, don't appreciate how much purchasing power, what kind of emerging consumer is really capable of generating in terms of GDP. And I think there is a very, very exciting recognition that this market is real. As a result, investor interest is on the rise, which can only be good for founders. The ticket sizes are getting um, higher. The the time to raise capital is is shorter time frames for entrepreneurs. More exits are, are happening. More countries are you know recognized as as tech hubs. More accelerators. There's just so much focus. International VCs are starting to really um, back the continent, and it's because of many factors. And uh, in terms of of growth, fintech is driving a lot of that in in on the continent, and. Um, yeah, all of the, all of those elements. If you throw that into a melting pot, especially if you already have a little bit of a track record um, and a portfolio and a business model, it's 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 it is really exciting. It doesn't make it easy. It's actually to an extent makes it more difficult. You know, more competitors, more more options, 
Um, but luckily, there are much more co-investments. So, you know, the VCs or the top VCs are trying to to look at how to build a, a good stack of co-investors that can that can assist. Monica thinks the fact local entrepreneurs and VCs are getting active is more important than increased interest from overseas. So there are entrepreneurs that have begun starting businesses that see this as a path to real success. And our pipeline has never been, uh, in Africa, has never been more robust. Miley says the numbers speak for themselves, with the market having great liquidity. I do think this is a great time to be a VC in Africa, um, even though uh, the market has certainly boomed, uh, especially last year and the year before. I think that we're only really uh, at the tip of the highest iceberg. We can go a lot deeper in what can be achieved. And the trajectory overall is, is very positive, like just as of February this year. Startups in Africa have raised over a billion dollars, which is more than sort of the past four years combined. And that's over 100 plus deals. There's also phenomenal liquidity in the market right now. And as I was saying earlier, a lot of high net worth individuals, family offices and other players um, are entering the market. Uh, They're interested in playing in the space. They're intrigued. They want diversification. They They want to get involved right in the tech and the Africa startup scene which means that I think we're likely to see even more investments in the years to come. Um, and, and that links also to seeing more exits and M&A activity over time. So overall, I'm excited. I think it is a great time. Um, of course, we have to be cautious not to end up in a bubble situation and need to continue to delve beneath the surface also of these numbers and who's, who's really driving um, most, or getting most of the investments and, and driving those large volume numbers. But if we wait longer, um, then it may be too late. So I think this is, this is the time. This is indeed the time. And with more and more investors putting larger amounts of capital into the African tech startup ecosystem, the future looks very bright indeed. Whether you're an entrepreneur, an investor, aspiring to be one of those things, or just generally interested in the African startup space. We hope you found this four-part series valuable. We've covered VC in Africa, all the way from definitions and business models to what makes a great VC via term sheets, due diligence, and how a business changes once you raise capital. We hope it has answered some questions for you. We'll be back with some more podumentaries over the next few months. Let us know if you have a burning desire for us to cover any particular topics. For now, a final word of thanks to our partners, Corona Capital, 10X Entrepreneur, Catalyst Fund and Knife Capital. Remember, if you missed any episodes of this series, they all remain freely available and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.